Welcome to Doc Talk. Today is episode number 39, and our guest today is Andrew Waring. Andrew is actually the very first Juris Doctor we've had on the podcast, and he comes from a long line of attorneys. So it was almost as though he were destined to be an attorney himself. <laughs> graduated um, undergrad from Benedictine College right there in Atchison. He graduated in 2005 from the University of Missouri, Kansas City School of Law and returned to Atchison thereafter to begin practicing in the Atchison County Attorney's Office, where he gained enough experience to began his own practice, his own private practice in 2007, with a focus then on criminal defense and family law. So his practice grew and it began to include creditors' rights and collections, estate planning, and business organization consultation. Today, um, he and his wife own a debt collection company. He runs a law firm, and they've also gotten into uh, the title insurance company as well. In today's episode, we talk a bit about what led him to decide to practice law or to study, to become a lawyer. And we also talk about the advice that he offers to anyone who's considering uh, becoming a lawyer themselves, which I think is some some great advice based on his own experience. I want to share too that um, Andrew was recently recognized for his contribution to the legal community by being nominated to serve as a district court judge for the first judicial district in Kansas. The nominating committee was comprised of his peers from within the district as well as citizens of the district. And even though in the end he was not um, given the appointment, it did represent or affirm the fact that he is um, capable and is highly respected by his peers. So that's that's really, really neat, neat for him in that respect. I'm going to put Andrew's credentials in the show notes. So please go there, check it out um, because they're numerous. All right, with that said, let's head into episode 39. Welcome to Doc Talk, where we discuss all things doctoral. Been there, done that? Then we want to hear from you. Want to be there? Want to do that? Then this is the place to be. Still trying to figure it all out? Yeah, so am I. So come on, let's do this. Let's venture beyond a master's. You are actually, Andrew, the first. Okay, first, let me just start here. What is the, okay, so if I were talking to someone who earned their doctorate or their PhD, I would say, give them the respect that's due that they're due because of all the work they put in, right? And I'd call them Dr. So-and-so. Sure. What do people call you? What do we, what, what is the appropriate <laughs> greeting or heading or title? I know there's like Esquire somewhere in there, but I wouldn't say, what would I, what would I say? What, what should I say? Uh, you know, a lot of people in the community just simply call me wary. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> by the last name but, but that's not polite I don't, oh, oh you don't like that <laughs> no no it's just uh um because of the work that i've been doing in the community for so long you know when they say who's your lawyer people just say wearing 
so they don't say Andrew Waring or Mr. Waring or anything like that. But but no, there's there's no title or anything. Um, if I were to become a judge, you know, it'd be your honor or right. judge or the honorable or something. But, you know, growing up, I knew some judges uh, and I just called them by their first name. Oh, so, okay. But you were, you know, were you like, yeah. a, uh, were you a child? I mean, I guess for a child back when we were growing I, up, it was kind of odd to call someone by their first name. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I had known them long enough that that was okay with with the one judge I can think of, but for everybody else, it was always, you know, judge or your honor. So. Gotcha. So where, yeah. so where does the Esquire, how did, where does that fit in? It's usually comma, your name, comma, and then what ESQ? How does. Yeah. But. Um, or are you I, even Esquire? Everyone's. F- it, I, yes. Uh, <laughs> I think as a lawyer, you get it. Um, but I'm not sure where that originated. I mean, it wasn't here. I assume that came over from, um, you know, England or something like that. That may have been a title for the lawyers or the barristers, you know, over there. Okay. Uh, I don't think that's an American coined term. So, and, and nobody uses that. Okay. Um, except me as a practicing oh, okay. attorney. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe our listeners don't know either. So we'll, we'll just ask all the questions. There you go. Yeah. I, you don't, it, it is a, a, a title or an appendage, but I, you just don't see it in commonplace any longer. Okay. So you might use that if uh, you wanted to signify that you're an attorney, but maybe you're not a practicing attorney, maybe, but you know, I like Rick Berger here in Atchison. He's a mm-hmm. an attorney, but he's not a practicing attorney. But he doesn't use that title after his name. So, so does he put anything at the end of his name, like JD, or just just nothing? Nothing. Okay, man. After doing yeah. all that work, I'd put something. I think. Right. <laughs> like, oh. uh, I think uh, president. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is good for him, you know? <laughs> yes. Yes. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. Well, see, since you brought up uh judge, let's just kind of jump right in. Um, in our correspondence, you talked about having had the opportunity to be nominated for a, and you'll have to correct me if I'm, um, if I'm misspeaking, uh, but being nominated to serve as a district court judge for the first judicial yes. district. Here in Kansas, I yeah. guess. Yeah. T- tell us tell us about that. Yeah. So um, Kansas has what, like 105 counties, and all of those counties get divided up into judicial districts. And like Atchison and Leavenworth are two counties, and they comprise the first judicial district. Mm-hmm. And about half the judicial districts, uh, judges are appointed by uh, a nomination and an appointment. And then the other half of the judicial districts are elected judges um, who st- who run for the office just like, you know, every other elected official would. So okay. Atchison and Leavenworth are the first judicial district. And in January, Judge Bedner retired. And uh, so you have a nominating committee made up of two attorneys from each county in the district and two non-attorneys from each county in the district. And then those individuals all meet and uh, you, you apply, you submit an application, you give them all the information you want. 
and then they meet, they interview you, and then they send up, I think it's at least three, but no more than five names to the governor. And then a governor interviews you and does the background check and all that. And then they, um, the governor makes the appointment after that. Okay. But that's, so, that's kind of neat um, to have that, that opportunity. Yeah. Cause that, I think that speaks, that speaks volumes about the work you've done, the work you're doing and what folks, you know, think I, of you. yeah, you know, I felt like it did. Um, I was not expecting to get, uh, we call it out of committee. So I was not expecting to get out of committee based upon those that I had known had applied. And just the fact that, you know, I'm still quite a bit younger than everyone else in that pool. Um, you know, or at least I felt like I was, I'm, you know, I'm 41 now. I was 40 at the time and judge Bryant who got it, I think was the next youngest. And I think he's mid to late forties. Okay. Um, so, you know, but I, I felt, so I was pleasantly surprised when I got the call saying I'd made it out of committee. And, um, so, you know, I'll give it another shot. There's openings, you know, every, every so often. So I'll just wait for the next one and we'll see where we are in life and apply again, or maybe wait until the next go around. So, so we've got a lot going on, so we'll see, but yes, it felt really good to kind of get that affirmation from, you know, all of the attorneys that are on that committee are from Leavenworth and, oh wow, you know, it, it felt nice that, that they, from among their, you know, of all the groups that they picked me as opposed to a couple other Leavenworth attorneys to make that kind of final cut. So, yeah, that's big. That's big. Uh, for those of yeah. you, for listeners who aren't familiar, um, I'm sure if you're interested, you can go Google map it or <laughs> grab an atlas. Leavenworth is about 30, what, uh, 26, oh, about 30 miles to our yeah. um, southeast. South. Yeah, to our south. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's it's the county directly south of us, and it's along the Missouri River as well. And the biggest cities are Leavenworth and Lansing. So Leavenworth is about twice the size, I think, of Atchison County, yeah. Leavenworth County, something like that. So for someone to actually so. call you in to compete against those folks in a larger, um, larger locale, that's that's kind of cool. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Felt good to me. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> so your family, you have a long history. Let's kind of go back a little bit. You have a long history of sure. um, yeah. attorney, and I think as you put it, um, kind of in your genes, so to speak. Can you can you share with us yeah. about your family lineage and how you maybe came to sure. where you are now? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, my dad's an attorney. He just retired. Um I think in the last couple months, he, he had been in semi-retirement uh, patterns since really since right before COVID hit. Um, he's, he just, he'll be 72 in October and he had just kind of been slowly winding down his practice and uh, out in New York. That's where he lives. And uh, he finally wrapped up kind of the one last case that he had um, a trust administration. So he's done. But he, he was a lawyer here in Atchison. He was county attorney in the 1970s and then was in private practice with my godfather, now now partner, Dave Ferris, um, here until the early 80s when he went back to New York. Um, 
before him was um, my mother's uncle, Jerry Foley, who had been an attorney here in Atchison for decades upon decades. Uh, and, you know, the story is that when he came to Atchison to practice, that's still when the attorneys kept a gun in their desk drawer, you know, for a, kind of the old West days to some extent. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> but knowing him, I would never, you know, I remember him as a little boy uh, growing up and I, he never struck me as somebody that would have ever carried a gun, but I assume he did it at the time, just, you know, from a precautionary method you know, standpoint. And, uh, before him was, uh, it, my mom called him her great uncle, Charlie, but I think he was a cousin, you know, kind of like an old cousin, kind of muddled. Yeah. 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 And his name was Charlie Conlin and he was County attorney here. in I think the twenties, uh, so, you know, it, it kind of goes back quite a way. And, and the fa- my family's been in Atchison, in the area in Northeast Kansas since the, I think the 1850s, 1860s is when everybody started emigrating here. So in fact, I'm sitting in a house that my great, 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 great grandparents built. Oh my gosh. uh, Yeah. That's where we live now. I'm sitting in probably what would have been the hallway or a bedroom at the time, but now it's our kitchen. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's really cool. How neat. Yeah. Do you feel that it was kind of a natural progression for you to to lean in the direction of law just because? Yeah, you know, I remember I remember growing up and having people tell me, you know, are you going to be a lawyer? That kind of question, maybe to follow in my dad's footsteps or my Uncle Jerry's footsteps. And then you also get the same kind of statement saying, oh, you'll be a good lawyer. I, I don't. I don't remember being argumentative as a kid, but maybe I was, uh, you know, or at least could like see the logic and could kind of logic my way through some arguments, even if it was wrong. Uh, so maybe that's where some of that came from, but I, I never had any idea of a career path really that, that I can recall that did not include becoming a lawyer. So, you know, from grade school, high school, like that's just, that I knew I was going to go on to college and and then go on to law school. That was my plan. And I never recall thinking of anything else. So speaking of college, so for undergrad, you are a a history guy. And I had to laugh at some of the stuff you shared in in earlier correspondence about about how things fell out the way they did and why. Um, So yeah, tell us, tell us about your undergrad. So you, how did you make that transition or did you just know? Yeah. About the, yeah, my, my choice, like I'm going to go right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, and there's another story I didn't even get to tell you. So I go to, I, I love history. I just, I like to read. I like the stories, you know, to me that just came so naturally. Like there was no effort really involved in my part to, so that just kind of made sense to become a history major in college. So I take my history classes. I take my prereqs, you know, that you have to take. Otherwise I ended up picking up a business minor along the way because another, uh, a, a father of a friend of mine who's an attorney or was, he's retired from that now, had suggested I take an accounting class and I took a business law class and suddenly it's like, well, I can get a minor, so I may as well take some more, which actually I'm really glad that I did because those classes have come in um, pretty significantly handy for me. The business? Um, 
courses? Yeah. Yeah. Having, yes, because of the diversity of the work that I do on behalf of my clients, plus in the companies that I have ownership interest in now. But I go to, I get, I'm, I I must've been, um, I had very little science exposure in college. I am not a science guy by any stretch of the imagination. And, um, I think I took atmospheric science because that's what fit. <laughs> it was like, do you want to study stars or clouds? And that was, you know, I was like, clouds, that's fine. Because uh, I think, because I think stars were, was full, but okay. that's it. <laughs> that took- was my science. And I get to, <laughs> I get to, I think my senior year and my mom in some conversation, we're talking about what's next. And she said, have you ever considered becoming an orthodontist? <laughs> And That's interesting. I, I I know. I'm like, where did that come from? And I think she saw, you know, the how lucrative that business can be. And she just wanted, you know, well, you know, you could be successful at doing that. I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, Mom, I, I took clouds, you know, for science. I, I I'm not going back <laughs> to study biology. And like, no, I have never considered it, and I won't, unless you want to pay for me to go back to school, which she declined. So. Uh, so that ruled out ever becoming an orthodontist. And then my, I think the story you're talking about is my senior year, I started to debate, do I want to go to law school or do I maybe want to become a teacher and get my PhD in history? Um, because at that point I wanted the PhD. Like, if I'm going to do this, you know, I don't want to teach elementary school history. I don't have that kind of credentials, you know, from an elementary education standpoint mm-hmm. and, so I go to visit the chair of the history department who was a teacher I really enjoyed. And I said, you know, what can you tell me about it? He said, well, long story short, he says, it'll take you about another 10 years or so to get to the PhD. And I just thought, well, I'm done. I'm not doing 10 years <laughs> of school. <laughs> so that was as, as much as I thought about an alternative to law school was the length of a conversation with my, the chair of the history department. So, so, so of course, I, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. But I was just saying, so I was right back on my path for law school. So I so. question for you. So Josh uh, Wolf, Dr. Wolf was one of the yeah. first guests on the show last summer. And <laughs> I'm curious to know, since you know him, do you, have you ever had that conversation with him or shared that with him, him being a, a history guy? I can only assume that I have. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, cause we've, you know, we've spent a lot of time together. I'll have to make sure that the next time I see him, that I, I'll, I'll ask him if I've told him the story. It's pretty funny. He'd probably <laughs> tell me it didn't. Yeah. Yeah. He'd probably tell me it didn't take him 10 years, but you know, but it's still, it, it took more than three. So. <laughs> yes. And so, you know, so your degree as a, as a Juris doctor um, is a three yes. year, two and a half, three year. How does, what's the length of time that someone could, um, Typically, it's three years. Uh, a friend of mine in law school finished in two and a half because he took summer school after his first and his second years. Uh, so he was able to get done in January, sat for the bar in February, and was licensed as an attorney in February while the rest of us were finishing up school. But where I went, University of Missouri in Kansas City, at UMKC, and I, I don't presume that it's unique to that school, but they also have a non traditional. Uh, uh, class schedule that allows you to complete it within five years. So there were plenty in our 
classes that were, you know, that kind of uh, plan. In fact, uh, Michael King, who's the chair of the business department at Benedictine College here in town, I think he took the five-year route. Okay. And he was up there after he'd been one of my teachers at, in undergrad. I remember seeing him walk down the hall. Like, Whoa, oh, wow. King, how are you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think he wanted to get uh, just kind of a more terminal degree. And I think he had an MBA, so I think he wanted something else, but not a PhD, probably. What do you What are you practicing now, Andrew? Um, what do you What do you do? You talked about um, your stakeholder in some different companies. Um, what type of law are you practicing? Sure. So, it being Atchison, small town, you know, you're not really able to specialize too much. Uh, I think there are. Uh, so I think there are some attorneys that have a more narrowed focus, but mine has been pretty broad. Uh, I've, so I, I do a lot of criminal defense work, and that primarily came from my experience as a prosecutor right out of law school. I got a job as an assistant county attorney here in Atchison. So I did that for a couple of years and then went out on my own uh, in 2007. So started out doing criminal defense getting clients doing that. Then you'd pick up the occasional kind of divorce, custody, paternity mm-hmm. type cases like that. You know, that's, there's a lot of that, you know, that, that it's going around. And then you kind of start picking up other types of work, maybe some estate planning, uh, you know, for folks. I remember early on, I'd have people come and see me and they say, well, you know, we're 30 years older than you. So you're likely to outlive us. So we'll have you do our will. So that way you can take care of it when we die. And, <laughs> um, which works, you know, right. Um, and so that's kind of picked up quite a bit, um, over the years. So I do a lot of that. I do, um, some small civil litigation. That's really not my forte. So my my law office partner, he does a lot of work in that area. That's kind of your your more traditional lawsuits. And then uh, over the years, I developed a niche where I do debt collection uh, for local businesses. So, you know, if you get a letter from me, you know, it's probably because you didn't pay a bill. <laughs> uh and and so that that's been um you know a big component of my practice over the years it's been you know good for the family and good for us so we when i formed my law office partnership with john and dave we took all of that collections work that i did and created a wholly separate company uh here in town and that's all they do and so my wife and i own that company and that company does all that kind of debt management for its clients. And then they, they hire our firm to do the work on behalf of the, the company and the clients. So we've got the collection company, we've got the law firm. And then additionally, at that same time we formed the law firm, my partner and I purchased the title insurance company here in town. Oh my goodness. Uh, so <laughs> so you really, you've got to have like, people you really trust working for you because I can't imagine you can't do all that by yourself. Right. So no, Lord, no, I cannot. And, um, and you're, you're self-employed. Um, yeah. So yeah, that, that takes a, 
a group of reliable folks. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I went out on my own in 2007 and within about a year had enough work that my wife quit her full-time job to help me. And uh, we've been on our own fully self-reliant since 2008. And, you know, we've done okay, you know, making it work. I've, I've prosecuted part-time for Jefferson County, Kansas, which is south and west of us, uh, for a few years, uh, kind of part-time for them. That was nice. I really liked my boss there. But generally speaking, that, that's been about it. So Leslie and I kind of built up that collections aspect, and we hired uh, a, actually a guy I grew up with. His mother and my mother grew up together and were friends. And his name's uh, Eddie, and he runs the show for that collection, a debt management company. And we hired a, another individual, Shelly. And so Eddie's been with us for about five years. Shelly's been there for about two. And I mean, I trust them implicitly, and they do a phenomenal job you know, doing what they do. And then the title insurance company is um, Amy is getting ready to retire. And I think in September, but she's been with the company for, I'd say at least 20 some odd years. And then Jennifer, who's with her has been there for about 15. So we've got a lot of longevity there. And, you know, and what's nice is that they know what they're doing. They know how to do their job. And the biggest mistake that I could make is getting in the way. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I, Eddie and Shelly will ask me questions and I'll say, well, you tell me what you want to do. Okay. Well then we're going to do that. You know, it's, I, we had to hire some new staff. I said, you guys pick them. You guys tell me who we're hiring. I'll tell you what I'll, what we can afford to pay, but all the decisions are up to you. I don't want to be part of that because that's your coworker. And so, so I'm just guessing like early on though, you, did you know these folks that you just named? Did you know them before you went out on your own and you knew their work ethic and everything? Or is that something you had to learn? Because I'm thinking about from a military perspective, you you can't do everything by yourself, right? So you have to, you have to rely on your people to do it. But sometimes you don't, just like in any other organization, your people aren't always going to be reliable. So did you, did you know this about these individuals beforehand or did you have to learn this about them? You know, with um, Eddie and I, like I said, we grew up together. Right. He was uh, right behind me in age. And and I didn't know. I, I did not know anything about any of that. But one of the things that it, I offered him the job, <laughs> he he laughs still. We, we laugh. It was a Facebook message. And it just simply said, hey, want a job? <laughs> I knew he was unemployed at the time. <laughs> well... We were, our longtime employee had left um, and to, for other opportunities, we had tried to find somebody It wasn't working with her. So we had to let her go and I needed to replace her with somebody. And Eddie had helped me with an Excel sheet problem one afternoon. I had posted a question on Facebook and he just stopped by the office, showed me what I needed to know, and then went on his way. And the I, the program we use, if you understand how to use Excel, the program makes a lot more sense. So when I needed to hire somebody and I knew Eddie was looking for a job, uh, I just sent him that message. 
So he came in not thinking it'd be a real long-term job. I didn't think it'd be a real long-term job. You're like, you're the Excel but guy. Five <laughs> years. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, 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 you know, it was just one of those things where I knew that he could understand that concept so he could understand the software. What I didn't know about Eddie was that he had worked in so many different types of jobs for the last, you know, 15 years or so since high school to then that all of those prior experiences lent really just a, a, such a significant level of uh, success for him that he's really excelled in the job. And I mean, really like just watching him within the first 90 days, I think I gave him a raise like three times in that first 90 wow. days. I just kept saying, I'm not paying you enough. Like you are, you're doing too much and it's too valuable that I need to get him caught up to where he is. So, you know, it, it was, and it worked out really well. Like, and then, uh, Shelly, I had known her, um, on kind of a personal level, but again, I just knew in my gut instinct that she would do well. Uh, and she's done really well. So, you know, it was just kind of a good opportunity. So, so having your own firm, I, I guess we call it a firm law firm. Yeah. 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 So having your yeah, own, it's a law firm. own firm, what would your advice be to, uh, I guess maybe people who are considering that contemplating it, or even just looking forward, like, do I want to do, do I want to be a lawyer in the first place? Is this even where I want to go? What advice would you offer people who are considering going in that direction and, or are there and thinking about going solo? Yeah. Well, so if you're considering law school, the advice that I give to people is I'll, you know, if I had it to do over again, would I do it different? And I don't know that I can answer that question. Um, I think that there are other jobs that I have become aware of in my life now as an adult that look like they would be exciting. Um, you know, I was on the city commission for the city of Atchison for five years and I got to know, you know, worked with our city managers really well. And I got to think, you know, that would be a really neat job to have. Um, so maybe I would have wanted to have done that if I had ever thought about, um, doing things different, but I guess what I tell folks, I'm getting off topic. If, if you are looking at going into law school, my word of advice is to ensure that you're not overpaying for it. Um, oh, because yeah. I did. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, am. Uh, you know, there is no insurance that pays your bills. It's not like if you go and become a medical doctor or a dentist or anything like that, where insurance is going to help pay. Or an orthodontist. <laughs> or, an, or an orthodontist. That's right. So, you know, it's, it's whatever people are willing to give you of their own money is what you're able to get. And, you know, as your reputation and experience goes on, you're able to command a higher fee. But, you know, when you're starting out, you know, you're asking somebody to come up with $2,500, you know, that's a lot of money that I think even for people who you would look at and think, oh, they've got plenty of money. That's still not easy to get to, um, you know, all the time. So that that's a real challenge. So what I try to tell folks is that don't look at a law school who says, oh, our, our top 10% make $100,000 a year upon graduation. You know, you need to look at what the statistics are showing for like the median salary or even less, because if you're going to go get hired in the private sector, 
you know, the top 10% might make that $100,000, $120,000 a year, but everybody else is making fifty, forty. dollars And if you're $100,000 in debt in order to make $40,000, mm. um, you know, that may not be the, that may not make the most sense. Right. So I just tell people to be very careful and watch the dollars. So, so you have a funny story. I had to laugh when <laughs> When I heard your story about okay. how you got locked in, we were talking about um, like funding. How do we f- fund programs? How did you fund your your uh, program through the University of Missouri in Kansas City? And that first year experience, and then you jump to saying, well, maybe this isn't for me. And then you realize, well, darn it. It's too late. Like by the time I, it was too late to to kind of bail out at a point. Um, I thought yeah. that was pretty funny. They had you locked in there. Yeah. So, you know, I, I go to, um, you know, it's kind of like, I guess, any other um, educational institution, you know, you go, you pay your um, uh, tuition. And then if you want your money back, you have to withdraw by a certain date. <laughs> And you pay your first semester, you go to your first semester, you don't have any real indication as to how well you're going to be doing until after your final, because you don't have tests, you just have finals. So you study all semester long, learn all this material, and then you have one comprehensive final that covers everything. And law school is so competitive, everything is graded on the curve, you're going to have the top 10%. You're going to have the, the middle, and then you're going to have everybody else. And law school also does a really nice job of convincing you that if you're not top 10%, you're not going to be successful. And, and I think it's a real disservice, but because I was not top 10%, <laughs> not by a long shot. <laughs> but I, I get to the, the first semester, I, but they're all written essays. So they say, well, we got to grade our, our three L's first, our third year students, and then we hit our second year students, and then we're able to get to all our one L's, our first years. Well, I didn't get my grades until, I, I want to say, late March, which was after the drop date when you could get any money back. So <laughs> you're just writing the check to go to school. Yeah, holy moly. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it My wasn't friend. funny. It wasn't funny when you were in it, but it sounded funny, the story to hear. It was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, they set me up. <laughs> well, yeah, you're you're kind of sitting there going, no, wait, I can't. I mean, we're all seeing like the, the, the logic or the lack of logic here of going, I can't get my money back, but I don't know how well I did. And only a certain amount of people are going to get an A or a B and then you're down with everyone else. One of our friends who was in our study group, um, he got his first semester grades. I don't know how he did. I think he did okay, but not as well as he wanted and not enough to convince him that being a lawyer was the career for him. So it was too late for him to drop out. So he just showed up every day to class and he, cause he didn't want him to kick him out. Right. And he said, I've already, I've already paid my tuition. I've already got my apartment. I've already paid for all this stuff. So I'll just be the anchor. <laughs> and what he meant was I'll flunk everything to help take that spot. So somebody else doesn't have to have it. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so he did it. And and then he went on, I think he's a city planner or something like that. I was going to ask, what did he do? Fine. Yeah. What did he end up doing? <laughs> I, I, 
I think he's a city planner. I think only one of our friends has kept in touch with him. Um, but, you know, after law school, we didn't have Facebook, you know, really at that time. So right. nobody, you know, when you went on, you went on. And yeah, he, he, he had the best semester experience. Never had to read, and he didn't care if he got called on. It didn't matter to him. Oh He's like, I already paid, <laughs> and I can't get out of it. So yeah. Let's... <laughs> yeah, the professor would say, oh, Mr. So-and-so, you know, what was the holding in this case? And he'd just say, I don't know. And, yeah, I, I see this look of surprise. Oh I mean, the rest of us are, like, that's the look on our face when we get asked the question is, I don't want to give the wrong answer. Right, and he's like, so, I I didn't even look. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. This is your host, Allison Marchine, and I'm so glad you were here. And I'm looking forward to the next time. Let's do this again. 